everybody. So today is Monday. Normally I have family movie night on Monday, but with Sundance, I just did not have time to watch anything, let alone review anything. Uh, but I wanted to give you guys a little recap and uh, talk about my experience at Sundance. I was able to attend nine out of 10 days. Uh, I missed one day because my sister was in town from London. And so I wanted to spend a day with her. Uh, but I ended up seeing 25 movies, which is pretty, I think, amazing for nine days. And uh, there were some highs, there were some lows, as there always is in Sundance. And there were some just in between solid flicks. So I'd say overall, it was a pretty strong year. I don't know if I had quite the excitement um, of last year. And I don't know, maybe it's just because now I've been four years. And so it's just a little, maybe a little more routine than it was, uh, than it was last year. But, but, uh, but yeah, there's still some really, really good films. And I'm excited to talk to you about them. I was going to do daily recaps on this channel, but I ended up doing daily recaps on my blog instead. So you want to make sure you're following me on my blog and uh, that you are uh, looking at those reviews because sometimes I, I it's just easier to write than it is to to do a video. But <laughs> so that's the way it kind of ended up. And uh, yeah, so I it's an interesting thing. Uh, I ended up getting uh, the locals pass for Sundance. A lot of people kind of want to know the mechanics of it all. And the way that you get the locals pass is uh, the locals pass is, is $500. So it is pretty expensive. And you have to be on a line on the uh, day that they're for sale. This year it was on the 16th of October. Uh, and you purchase your pass. And the great thing about the pass is that you can uh, just it's not even just that you can go to as many movies as you want uh, is that you are in a special pass holders line. So you get into any movie that you want pretty much that you want to go to the, that's so much better than getting tickets because if you have tickets uh, you're just in the ticket holder line. And if they run out of spots uh, you may not get in, even though you have a ticket, that's never going to happen to you with a pass hold. So it's even if you don't end up using getting your money's worth, uh, out of the, uh, out of the pass, it's still worth it for just convenience and, uh, less of a hassle. Um, I had the SLC locals pass. So that means that I can only see movies in Salt Lake city. So I don't really have experience with the whole park city side of things, the whole park city scene, uh, because I never go up there. It's just, it's just kind of a pain to go up park city and there, and there's, uh, five venues in Salt Lake and almost everything comes to Salt Lake. And uh, and sometimes people are like, well, why didn't you see this movie? Why don't you see this movie? Well, it's always tricky because there's multiple movies playing at multiple venues. So you have to pick which one you're most interested in. But also some of the venues are 15, 20 minutes apart. And if your movie doesn't end until a certain time, it may be hard to get over to the other venue. Uh, a lot of times it's easier to just to pick three movies that look pretty good uh, at the same venue. Um, I ended up uh, seeing eight movies at the Grand Theater and the Grand Theater is at the community college. And it's really nice because uh, it, uh, it has tons of parking. So you don't have to pay for parking and pretty much uh, everybody can get into the grand. Uh, it only is showing movies on the weekends at Sundance uh, there, but I still managed to see obviously a lot of movies there and they get really good stuff at the grand. The only downside to the grand is the food is 
awful. They have this food stand and everything is just tastes so gross. I, I, I got cheese pizza and it tasted so chemically and weird. And then I, I got this um, hummus wrap because how can you mess up hummus wrap? It's just like vegetables and a little bit of hummus, probably from a box or whatever. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was so gross. And uh, so yeah, don't, if you get to the grand, don't eat the food at the grand. It was really bad. Um, and then I saw seven at the library. The library is, is, uh, is pretty good place to see a movie. Uh, the seats are kind of uncomfortable is the only downside. You have your knees right up against the next row. And so there's really no room to kind of move around at all or feel comfortable. The seats are kind of small. Uh, so that's the downside to the grand. I think I saw five at the Rose Wagner theater, um, which is pretty nice theater. Uh, you have a pretty good view from wherever you're at. And the parking is expensive at both the library and at the grant and at the um, end of the Rose Wagner, the, the parking is expensive. I saw two at the Broadway. The Broadway seats are really comfortable. They're very modern seats. Uh, I, so I, I like those and I, uh, and it's got good food there at the Broadway. The downside to the Broadway is that during the Sundance Festival, the parking structure is closed for most of the time. And so you have to find another parking spot. But the problem is, is that the the um, the parking meters are only for two hours. And so if your movie's longer than two hours, then you could get fined. So the parking situation at the Broadway is a pain. Uh, so that that's the downside to the Broadway. And then the last venue is at the Tower Theater. And the Tower Theater is this historic theater. It's the oldest theater in Utah. It's it's really pretty and it's very nostalgic to go in there. The seats are very uncomfortable though and small. <laughs> and, uh, and it is so hard to find parking. You drive around, drive around because there's no parking lot of any kind at the Tower. And uh, there's just a like there's street, all street parking. And so you have to try to find uh, a, a, a spot on the street. And a lot of times you're walking kind of in the dark in this neighborhood. So it's my least favorite. Even during the regular year, the tower is a pain in the neck for parking. But uh, but it, it, they do have good popcorn there at the, uh, at the tower theater. And uh, if you go there regularly, they actually have a whole archival, um, uh, DVD rent and Blu-ray rental thing, which is kind of fun. And uh, so it's a really cool theater, uh, but it's um, just a kind of a pain for parking. Uh, and uh, I saw two movies at the Tower Theater. So that's kind of how it worked out. Uh, two movies at Broadway, five movies at uh, Rose Wagner, and seven at the library, and eight at Grand. So there you go. That's the movies. And uh and then kind of where I saw them. And uh, so let's get in and talk about the actual uh, movies. And sometimes you'll also have a QA and a uh, when you watch the movies. There'll be producers, directors, sometimes stars there at the festival. And so that's what part of it makes it a really cool experience. Uh, and you don't get as many in Salt Lake as you do in Park City. So maybe that's a downside to having the Salt Lake City Pass. But, oh well. <laughs> but it's kind of fun when you do get a Q&A. Okay. So like I said, I saw 25 movies. And uh, and let's dive in and talk about them. Okay. Uh, my, my 25th 
movie, my least favorite of the whole festival, is called The Sunlit Night. This is based on a book, and evidently the writer uh, of the book adapted it. Um, it's directed by David Went, and it's about uh, Jenny Slate plays this girl who uh, is a co-lead protagonist in the movie. Then Alex Sharp plays uh, the other co-protagonist, and she is this artist, and she gets a a uh, job uh, working in Norway for this really curmudgeonly old uh, painter who's painting this barn. And so she goes to Norway and it, it all could be fine. Uh, the Alex Sharp character, he's, he goes to Norway to bury his father uh, who wanted to be buried at the top of the world. And uh, the problem is, is that uh, it just was a complete mess <laughs> as far as, I know people say that about a lot of movies, but uh, it was not ready to be screened at all. Uh, it had major ADR issues. You can where you can, people weren't the words weren't matching up with the what the characters' mouths were saying. Uh, it was terribly edited. Uh, the uh, it was weird because Adam Alex Sharp looked so young, and it, and, the, and the screenplay kept treating him like a like a child, and uh, and, and here you have Jenny Slate who's clearly like a woman so it was very strange their relationship and it they didn't have any chemistry at all and they they spent so little time together so that when they get together it felt weird and uh the 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 comedy feels so out of place there's zach galifianakis is playing this american who lives at the viking reenactment thing and he it was it would, his part was very bizarre and didn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie. I heard her parents were supposed to be like, I guess kind of funny, but they were the worst and so irritating. All the characters were irritating and it was, it was just miserable. I hated it. It was, it's the kind of movie that you dread in Sundance. Uh, and even Jenny Slate couldn't save it. It was terrible. Uh, and so there you go. That's <laughs> number 25. I, I'm hoping they'll at least fix that ADR problem uh, after uh, this, the festival before they release it uh, wide because it, it was just a mess. Um, okay. And then uh, the number 24 on my list is after the wedding. This movie is well-made. It looks really nice and it does have a good cast, but uh, with Michelle Williams and Julianne Moore and uh Julianne Moore plays this uh, woman who uh, who is this socialite, uh, and she brings over Michelle Williams from India. She's running this orphanage, and she uh, she's wanting to sponsor the orphanage, and she uh, she has sort of other motives. And this is based on, this is a remake of a Danish movie, I guess. But then they gender swapped it. I guess the original has Mad Mickelson in it. But anyway, I just found every single character to be insufferable and selfish and frustrating and all their problems I didn't have any empathy for. They were very manipulative people. They were very unsympathetic. I just didn't enjoy watching it at all. I was very bored and it was, it was not, not for me. I didn't, I didn't care for it. So I have it at number 24. Uh, number 23, I have the animation spotlight. Uh, the animation spotlight, I think I go at this point more out of obligation as an animated uh, animation blogger. 
than I do out of enjoying it. It's almost always not great. And uh, there was uh, there was one in particular this year that I really disliked. It was uh, called uh, Acid Rain. It was so long and it was so like in your face, very like it's about about this like girl who becomes this hard rocker into drugs and just her various like exploits. Uh, and it was just nauseating. And I just, I didn't like the visuals. I didn't, it was very repetitive and it kept doing the same thing over and over again. And I really disliked it. So it was not for me. It was not for me. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there, and it was, like I said, it was really, it felt so long. And, uh, so yeah. And there was one, I think it was called Ono that was, uh, pretty, that was sweet in the animation spotlight. It was called Untravel and Obone were my favorites of the festival. I mean, of the spotlight. Uh, you feel like there's a lot of people that are trying to be Don Hertzfeld in this group and most of them can't pull it off and they just feel really like trying too hard to be adult, trying too hard to be grown up as opposed to kids animation. And I just really am not, it's not for me. Uh, almost always they're not for me. So number 22, I have a big favorite of the festival, uh, but wasn't for me is we are little zombies. This movie is super original. It won the original award. And I see why, <laughs> because uh, it was very original, but I really disliked it. Um, this is a really, this is an art piece kind of movie. And it's about these kids that are orphans that form this band. And uh, it's not about zombies at all. <laughs> and I can see why people like this and why they were really inspired by it because it is very creative and very original, but I just found it nauseating. Like it uses, uh, it's, it's just very like in your face with the graphics. Like all of a sudden there'll be like strobe lights and, and weird, uh, I don't know, weird imagery. And, uh, like I, and there'll be all these weird sort of perspectives in the, um, like all of a sudden you'll see, uh, the perspective of the kids drinking orange juice and all of a sudden you, you are the orange juice and the camera is, so there were a lot of, like, it was just, it was just super long for what it is. I thought, and it, if this was just a short, I think it would have been much more palatable, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I really honestly started to feel nauseous uh, with the images. There's a point where you become uh, the there's they're in a bus and then the bus becomes in the womb and you actually get like birth. It, it, it was, this movie is very weird and it's very artistic. Like I said, I get why people like it, but it was not, it was just not my, my kind of artistry. So I didn't care for it. Uh, we have the movie Halston. This is a documentary uh, based on about the life of Royal Halston, who was a famous American fashion designer. And this is really frustrating because it had a lot of good stuff in it. It had a lot of really good interviews, had a lot of really interesting, uh, interesting points about fashion and, and how he really changed fashion. Um, but for some reason they overthought it and the director decided to like frame it as a, as a mystery, which was so weird because there was really nothing that 
mysterious about it. Like it was just a success story and success stories happen. And it, it I kept it like, literally there's this weird narrator who's like doing all this investigating. He's like, Oh, the strange times of, of Royal Halston. And I kept expecting somebody to get murdered or something it was like, cause it was framed in this weird, this weird narration. I didn't think that worked at all. And it was very distracting from the overall narrative. And so that's why it ended up at number 20 in my ranking. Okay. Number 19, I have uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. And this uh, is, was a big, uh, big story at the festival. And I think it'll probably be pretty divisive as a film. And uh, I, I like some things about it. It's well made. I think all the acting is good. And you know, this is about Ted Bundy. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I did not think that they nailed the tone uh, right. I, I understand what they were trying to do to show sort of how this guy could be sort of slick and, and kind of trick you uh, into believing that he was innocent. And so that's what they were trying to do. And, but I don't know. I just, it, 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 I didn't like the fact that they showed no devious behavior at all. Like nothing. There was no little, little like signs that he was a bad guy. Uh, and all the way through, like by the, by, by the time it, it's really a courtroom drama. It's not a scary movie really at all. And uh, by the time uh, you get to sort of, I don't know, about two thirds through the movie, I was thinking like, are they trying to frame this as an underdog movie? Like this is, are we supposed to be rooting for Ted Bundy? Which I thought was really weird. And I didn't like that. And, uh, you know, other people will appreciate that perspective. I just wasn't for me. I, I but I think that Zac Efron is good. And I think that Lily uh, Collins is good. John Malkovich has a lot of like fun with the role, but I don't know. It was just, Jim Parsons has a small role. So some people like this movie, but for me, I just thought it needed to be messier and it would have been scarier. It would have been more interesting, I think, more layered uh, than this weird sort of um, puff piece in favor of Ted Bundy. What? I don't know. I, I wasn't, yeah. So number 18, I have uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And this is a movie that I know a lot of people will really like and a lot of people will really respond to. It's kind of similar to Sorry to Bother You, which I didn't like. I just found it uh, too uh, chaotic and without any kind of real compelling narrative. Uh, it was just... Uh, it just it was like they were just having this huge pile on where there's where they're talking about every message and every idea. And, uh, and I, I kind of felt a little bit similar about that with this. It's, it's ostensibly about this man who was trying to save his family's home from getting, uh, getting sold, uh, even though they're not actually living there, but he, he's trying to get some kind of ownership of the home because it's his family home. Uh, but, anyway and he ends up kind of squatting in the home for a while uh but it was just it was just too long for what it was trying to do it was two hours long and i just started to get bored with all of the randomness and the shouting and the 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 not the like the non-linear storytelling and i, I don't know it had some funny moments it had some sweet moments but overall, I just found it kind of frustrating. And it's like, I just want a story. And you can have those creative elements, but like feed them into at least 
a little bit of a narrative. And I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. I can understand why it will work for other people. Um, but anyway, that's where I have uh, the last black man in San Francisco. Just not my style of art film. Uh, then I have number 17. I have Photograph. Photograph was really frustrating because it had so many good elements. It's basically about this guy that takes pictures for tourists and he meets this kind of richer uh, girl who is training to become an accountant. He takes her picture and then he basically tells his grandma that she is her his girlfriend and she, they actually kind of meet. She goes to play along and pretend to be his girlfriend. So that's like a super conventional plot. And uh, you know, it's a super, how many times we've seen that in a romantic comedy. And I, I feel like I wanted a more conventional ending. Uh, if you're going to have such a conventional uh, plot <laughs> and I just didn't think they stuck the landing. I didn't think the payoff was there. There's particularly an element where he's trying to find this cola for him, for her, her that she just especially loves. And you didn't get to see her have the cola. He didn't even give it to her. She just saw no, uh, no expression on her face. No, you know, idea of what this meant. And I don't know. I just felt like it just sort of like ended and it wasn't even like an interesting, ambiguous ending. It was just like, we're out of time to tell the story. It almost felt like a pilot to a TV show to me, as opposed to a movie. So I left very frustrated because I wanted to see them, you know, get together in the end and have a kiss and whatever. But even then, even if it had just been him giving her the cola, I would have been way happier. But in the end, I ended up kind of frustrated. It is very slow too. Uh, so it's, it's not definitely not for everybody. Uh, so yeah, that's where I have photograph. Okay. This one's kind of shocking, uh, because the most people will have this much higher. Well, a lot of people will love this movie. I have Brittany runs a marathon and I really was expecting to super connect with this movie because I am also a plus size athlete. And so I thought I would really love this about this girl who's overweight, who decides to run a marathon and uh, gets super into her training and everything. Um, but my problem with this movie is that Brittany is a super unlikable character and I didn't enjoy her for most of the movie. She's very rude. She's very mean uh, to everybody around her. I don't know why anyone would want to be her friend. And, uh, and she treats people terribly. And I particularly, there's a scene where she is at a birthday party and she treats another overweight woman like horribly. And I can't like, it's fine to have an unlikable character in a movie, I guess, but it has to feel sort of authentic. And I can't imagine anybody treating anybody like, uh, like she does at that party. I, I just feel like nobody is that non-self-aware. Uh, it was super cruel and super mean and yes, she does kind of come around a little bit and she does have a, an arc and that's good, but I don't know. I just found her a very difficult character to root for. And so I didn't really enjoy the movie very much. And uh, it was kind of like, I felt she was really rude to her boyfriend character. I thought treated him terribly. And so I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of Brittany runs marathon. Okay. At number 16, I have Abe. This was one of the uh, Sundance Kids entry, but it probably shouldn't have been a Sundance Kid entry because it has the F word six times. Um, and it, it's 
so the language is pretty saucy. Definitely would be R-rated. Um, in this movie, I had uh, I had mixed feelings about. I I, I really liked uh, Noah Snap as Abe. He's a half Muslim, half Jewish child, and he's constantly battling both sides of his culture. His grandparents on both sides are very opinionated, trying to get him to kind of take their side of things. And uh, the, the there's some really nice moments between him and a chef uh, who uh, is a fusion chef. And so he tries to make this fusion meal for his family between both cultures, and it goes terribly. And my problem with this movie is that I thought that all of the adults were just the worst. His parents were sometimes supportive, but they were sometimes really frustrating. Uh, but then the grandparents were just like when it was just them, they would be really nice. But then when they were put together and like, it felt again, kind of inauthentic to me. Like I can't imagine anybody who had a loving relationship with a child and the child had made this huge Thanksgiving feast for you. And, uh, and that you would, uh, that you wouldn't just suck it up for the child that you love in your life and eat the food that your grandchild had made. And that he was obviously really proud of. And I like, they're just the worst at that thing at that conversation at that dinner. And to the point where they, one of the grandmas says, you know, that you, that they warned you, they warned the parents, they should never have had a child, never been born. And I just can't imagine anybody saying that. Uh, that if you have a loving relationship with your grandchild like that, I don't know, it just didn't feel authentic to me. And I, I was just, it was very unpleasant, but I did like Abe as a character quite a bit. And I did like the cooking in the movie. And so it had some good things, but it was a mixed bag for me. Um, number 15, I have velvet buzzsaw this. I actually ended up watching at home because it, 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 uh, debuted on Netflix uh, the same week of the festival, which is kind of lame. I feel like like a bunch of the movies this year uh, already were made by, uh, by Netflix made by uh, these um, studios and are going to get pretty big rollouts, pretty big releases that were purchased big. This is the only one that was literally released the same week of the festival, which is kind of frustrating because the whole idea of the Sundance Film Festival was to support independent film. And uh, it's pretty hard to, to buy this as an independent film when it's getting a major rollout by Netflix with huge stars in it. And uh, so, I don't know, it's kind of a bummer. But anyway, I ended up seeing it. And uh, I thought that it was okay. I thought that it had some kind of fun... Uh, horror set pieces where these paintings coming alive uh, and killing people was actually pretty clever. And I thought that there was enough that was funny between these sort of pedantic uh, art uh, uh, um, praisers and critics and whatever. And the cast was good enough. Uh, it's, it's not great. Uh, the, the dialogue isn't great and it's a little bit boring at times and it gets definitely gets repetitive uh, and it's not as I think as funny or as clever as it thinks it is. So it's a mixed bag, but it was a, I thought the good was outweighed the bad for me with Velvet Buzzsaw. 
Um, then I saw Moonlight Sonata, Deafness in Three Movements. This is a documentary uh, about uh, a family. Um, it was done by Irene Taylor Brodsky, and she's the director, and she's talking about her uh, parent, her parents who were deaf, and then her son who was deaf, and uh, they all got the cochlear, cochlear uh, implants, and how it didn't, they didn't really take to them that much. The her parents, which is surprising, you think that would be a a huge uh, blessing for them, but it didn't end up uh, turning out that way, which is interesting. I thought, and uh, it. It had some really sweet moments for sure uh, between, and it was interesting because the her son would choose to turn off his implants so because he felt at peace in the deaf world sometimes, and uh, but he liked so it was kind of interesting to have that option of sort of turning it off, but then being able to turn it on again. Uh, I never really thought about that before, so that was all good. It was just a little dry for me at times. It was a little. Uh, I don't know. I just got a little bored. Um, there was a, maybe a little bit of a repetition with the same kind of scene done with him playing the Moonlight Sonata again and again and again. Um, but it was definitely sweet and I'd recommend it if you get a chance to see it. Uh, then I saw Paddleton. This is another one. This was uh, is a Netflix movie. Um, so you'll be able to see it on Netflix soon. Um, it stars uh, Mark Duplass and Ray Romano. And they play, uh, Ray Romano lives in the apartment above uh, the Mark Duplass character. Uh, they're just platonic friends. They're not uh, lovers or anything. They're not in a relationship. Uh, but they are good friends. They get together to eat pizza and to watch their favorite Kung Fu movie. And they have the sport that they invented called Paddleton. And it turns out that Mark Duplass' character gets cancer. And so he decides that it's, it's terminal there's no hope for any kind of cure. And so he decides that he's going to end his life. And uh, so he wants his friend to be there. And his friend has very mixed thoughts about it, very frustrated about it, but he decides in the end to be there for his friend. And it was actually like very touching and, but, but it sounds like a super downer, but it actually had quite a bit of humor in there. Evidently a ton of this is improvised and uh, they did a very good job if that's the case. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a sweet, sweet little movie. I think a lot of people like, then I saw troop zero. This is number 12 on my list. Uh, this is a, a quirky indie comedy in the vein of sort of Napoleon dynamite kind of type of Sundance indie film. This is going to be on Amazon and it has a great cast Viola Davis, Allison Janney, Jim Gaffigan, uh, you have the little girl from Gifted, and she's great as this girl named Christmas. And the, all the kids are so cute in this movie. And the whole idea is that they took this record with recordings up into space. And so they went around the country recording different groups. And in order to be considered to be on the record, you had to be a member of this, basically this Girl Scouts kind of a thing. And so they, so this Christmas girl forms this this troop with her friends and they get Viola Davis to be their, their uh, troop leader. And uh, Allison Janney has the more uppity popular troop. And uh, so that's kind of the antagonist. And uh, it's, it's a cute enough movie that they want to get the, uh, uh, the, the, they have to get a badge, each of the girls in order to make it to the jamboree in order to be on the uh, record. And uh, the, 
it has really cute moments. All the, all the kids are very cute and the adults seem to be having a, a pretty fun time. It's just a light. It definitely feels like sort of Wes Anderson um, uh, inspired. Um, and so, you know, that's fun enough. It's, it's not as good as anything Wes Anderson would do, but it has that feel, I think. And uh, the problem, I mean, I don't know. The weird parts about the movie is you definitely have to take a suspension of disbelief because there is like races. There's no racism in this small hodunk town in like 1968 or whenever this is supposed to have taken place, which is weird um, that, uh, you know, nobody seems to care that Viola Davis is, is black leading this group of, of girls and uh, nobody seems to care about the integration or the, the 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 black kids. That's like not an issue at all. It's never brought up, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know if people are wanting something realistic at all. It's not realistic. And uh, and then also, uh, you know, it's just very very like very quirky and very like some people will be annoyed by it. Some people won't won't like it. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was sweet enough. Uh, so that's why I have it at 12. So number 11, I have Love and Tosha, this documentary about uh, Anton Yelchin and his life. And he died at 27 in this freak accident. But I didn't realize that he had cystic fibrosis. So it was really interesting to learn about that. And he did so much in his life. I mean, he made 69 film slash TV projects in just that short amount of time that he was alive. Uh, it really is a profile of his parents and it's so sad because he's their only child and just, you really felt for them. And, uh, but you know, he really did make an impact in just a short period of time. There's a lot of, he, he was into sort of really X-rated photography. Um, so bear in mind, it is definitely not for kids. This documentary, it's definitely a pretty hard R with some of this photography that they have. So just so you know, uh, then at number 10, I have words from a bear and this is, uh, a documentary, uh, that is going to be aired on American masters PBS. Um, and it is about the Pulitzer prize winning native American author and Scott Momaday. And, uh, he was a really interesting guy. Uh, really interesting character. And he has such a great voice. Like he, he could be, uh, a voice actor if he wanted a really commanding voice. And so he was just an interesting uh, person to learn about. And I enjoyed watching it. I think that James Earl Jones should play Scott Momaday in a movie because they really reminded me of each other. <laughs> uh, so it's this pretty standard, um, standard documentary, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so then we have number nine, we have the farewell. This is from, uh, this is a Chinese movie uh, starring Aquafina in the lead. Uh, basically, her grandmother is given three months to live. And so they concoct this, I guess, in Chinese culture, you don't tell people when there's that. You just let them keep living their lives, which is interesting. And they decide to all go and see uh, the grandma under the uh, guise of her cousin's wedding, which gets moved up very, very fast. And... Uh, it's just a movie about family and uh, it's, it has quite a bit of humor. It's very sweet. And the relationship between uh, Aquafina's character and her Nana, definitely I could relate to because I'm very close with my grandma. And uh, I thought it was a really sweet, sweet little movie. Some of the pacing is a little off, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, especially the ending shot. Uh, if you don't tear up with that, then I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, number eight, I have Sweetheart, and this is a actually a little sort of uh, indie horror um, creature movie uh, that is done by J.D. Dillard. He was there at the screening, and that was a lot of fun. And it's about this girl who gets shipwrecked onto this island, deserted island, but it turns out there's this weird creature that's uh, out to get her. And it's mostly just this girl, Kirstie Clemens, and you're following her as she tries to fight this creature. And it was really entertaining. Uh, it had some definite cheesy moments, but I think that all kind of made it more fun. It's not that long, which I think helped it as well. Uh, there are two characters that come in uh, towards the, the last third that the acting wasn't great with them and they weren't my favorite. I would have rather just been her the whole time. But uh, but still, yeah, it's a good little little fun horror movie. I think people will like. Number seven, I have The Witch Hunters. This is a Serbian film. Uh, it is it was also in Sundance Kids, and it's about this little boy who becomes friends with this little girl, and uh, he has cerebral palsy, and so he's he really struggles. And there's a really moving scene where he tries to walk up this set of stairs, and he can't do it. And he's just so frustrated with his body. And, uh, and then uh, she has little girl, her father is leaving her mother for this other woman. And they've decided that she's a witch uh, because she makes her own kombucha and she's like brewing things and stuff. And it's pretty funny. And, and so they decide that they're going to become these superheroes and they're going to, they're going to save uh, her family and fix everything. And it's, it's really cute. And I like the fact that all the adults were like, nice people and we're trying to be as opposed to something like Abe uh, we're trying to be good people even the the other woman was pretty nice and uh, and it's just it was a sweet lovely little movie with pretty decent visuals special effects and stuff for the budget and uh, I just enjoyed it I thought it was really good so number six I have the Mustang this is a movie about uh, it stars Matthias Schoenhartz and he is this uh, prisoner at this uh, at this jail that has this inmate uh, um, equestrian program where they help train these wild Mustang horses. And he develops this relationship with this one particular horse. Like it starts out really bad. Like he's actually like fist fighting the horse. And, and uh, but he like in this character that he plays is like a very rage filled character. Uh, but as he gets to know this horse, that's also pretty, pretty like strong willed. Uh, he, he, he starts to kind of learn and I don't know, it was really, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And uh, it was, it was emotional. It was, uh, it was really, really well done. I thought, and his, his change felt, uh, felt earned and it wasn't uh, too melodramatic. He was still, he wasn't a perfect person by any means, but he just grew. And I think something actually loved him uh, for the first time in his life. Uh, and you get to see his daughter and you get to find out why he ended up going to prison. And it was just, I thought very well done character study uh, for the Mustang. Uh, so we got a comment uh, looking deeper into movie says it does not feel like it's been a year since you covered the Sundance film festival, 2018. Last year, I felt like last year felt like shortest year of my life. Yeah, 2018, it's it's sped by, that's for sure. 
Um, okay, so now we're in my top five of the festival. Number five, I have The Elephant Queen. This is an amazing nature documentary. They spent four years in the jungle, in the savannas, whatever you call it, of Africa, following this particular troop of elephants. But it doesn't just follow the elephants. It follows all these other creatures. Like, there's my favorite was these... There's these Egyptian geese, I think they called them. And there's this one that's always kind of hanging behind of the other geese. And uh, this little geese, and they, they called him Stephen, which I don't know, that just made me laugh. Like little Stephen, well, fine. And they follow these dung beetles and uh, a whole bunch of other creatures. And uh, it was just amazing. Amazing shots, amazing visuals, really cute. Uh, they kind of add sort of names and stories and stuff like that. So, you know, if you like nature documentaries, I think you'll really enjoy The Elephant Queen. It was really good. Okay, number four, I have Late Night. This uh, was a big popular pick. I got a big buyout. Um, this is directed by Mindy Kaling, and it stars Emma Thompson as this uh, woman who is a talk show host. It made me wish that she was a late night talk show host in reality, because it would be so much better, because the ones we have, I don't think are very funny right now, are very good. And she she's kind of having this sort of existential crisis, because she uh, she's just you know, wants like her show to matter more, I think, but like the ratings aren't doing very good because it's really boring. And so she gets them to hire uh, a, cause it's all male writing staff. And so she gets them to hire a female writer. Well, that's where Mindy Killing's character comes in and she starts out as just the sort of diversity hire. And, uh, and then she ends up becoming more than that. And, uh, and she's really sweet in it and really funny. It really reminded me of something Nora Ephron would have written in her heyday. Like it had a little bit of social commentary, had a little bit, you know, sort of the Me Too movement and and, uh, and her being this diversity hire and some of the other stuff that goes in. There's like a little bit, there's a little bit of romance, but not too much. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was sweet. I thought it was funny. I thought it was well acted. I just really enjoyed it. And I, yeah, I have it at number four. Number three, I have The Report. This movie is a very stressful watch. It's a true story about Dan Jones, uh, who is uh, assigned to work on the Intel House Intelligence Committee uh, report on the enhanced interrogation techniques. And he studies it for like, I don't know, like 10 years. And what I really admired about this movie is that it does not use kid gloves for anybody. They are very critical of the Obama administration, of the Bush administration, of so many different people that compromised and turned to deaf ear because of whatever reason that they had. And it, there was moments where it kind of reminded me of Mr. Smith goes to Washington. They like, Dan Jones is the only one who's, who's standing up and saying, I will not compromise. I will do the right thing. I will not. And, and it was pretty moving. And like I said, it was very intense. And you do see a lot of this, the, the torture that might be hard for people, but I thought it was really good and very riveting, uh, very good movie. So that's my number three. My number two is called Maiden. This is a kind of documentary that I love. I love documentaries about, uh, sort of underdog sports and and, uh, and people rallying together for community or whatever. And Maiden is about the, there's this race, sailing race across the world. And uh, in 1978, uh, this 
boat called the Maiden uh, was and entered the race uh, that it was all female boat because nobody would hire a woman on their boat. And what they did a really good job, like mixing archival footage with new footage and new interviews. And they got everybody. They even got like some of the sort of chauvinistic reporters to come back and talk about it, talk about things they said. And, um, I don't know. They were really good. And I really liked how it was, they were sort of accidental feminists. These were not like, like feminist archetypes. They were really enjoyable. And I, I really, uh, I don't know. I just loved it. It was very well paced. It wasn't boring. It was very exciting. And uh, you were just with them the whole way. And there can't be anything I'm less interested in than yachting. But I was very, I was very engaged in this movie. And I really, really liked it. So Maiden is a huge win. I definitely recommend checking it out. Finally, my number one movie at Sundance 2019 is Blinded by the Light. This is a Build was built as a spiritual successor or whatever, or a, uh, this was built as the next Sing Street. And I love Sing Street. And I've heard so many things that got built as the next Sing Street and they almost never succeed. And this actually, I think, kind of is. I, <laughs> the only major difference between this and Sing Street is that Sing Street has original songs, uh, which gives it the edge, of course. But this was so sweet. Uh, it's directed by uh, Gernander Chada, who did Bend It Like Beckham and uh, The Viceroy House last year. And uh, it's such a fun movie. It's about this Pakistani kid, 1987, uh, in uh, in a town in, uh, in England. And he uh, gets introduced to Bruce Springsteen by one of his friends, who's a Sikh. And uh, he's kind of bullied at school and stuff. And uh, because of being Pakistani, there's a lot of anti-Pakistani uh, feeling in the town. Uh, but he gets so inspired by Bruce Springsteen and his music. And it kind of gives him the confidence to uh, to become a writer. And that's what he wants to do. And the way they use the music was so effective. And I really liked all the supporting performances. His uh, his teacher, played by Haley Atwell, was great. I really liked his girlfriend. She was great. I really liked uh, his uh, his family and his neighbor next door was really fun and they had a nice uh, relationship. Uh, the big conflict in the movie is his dad who wants him to behave more like, uh, wants him to behave more in his station and feels like writing is not something that will uh, be a good choice for him and is just very like not supportive of his of his choices. And so they have a lot of conflict between him and his dad. Uh, but I don't know, it was just so like, delightful. <laughs> I loved it. It was so, I love the music and I'm not even that big of a Springsteen fan, but it was great and it was joyful and I think everybody will love it. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I just love this movie. It was so good. And so definitely you want to keep an eye out for blinded by the light. It was amazing. So there you go. That's my thoughts on all 25 films that I saw at Sundance. I had just to review, I have Blinded by the Light at one, Maiden at two, The Report at three, Late Night at four, The Elephant Queen at five, The Mustang at six, The Witch Hunters at seven, Sweetheart at eight, I have The Farewell at nine, Words from a Bear at 10, Love and Tosha at 11, Troop Zero at 12, Paddleton at 13, Moonlight Sonata, Deafness in Three Movements at 14, Velvet Buzzsaw at 15, Abe at 16, Brittany Runs a Marathon at 17, Photograph at 18. Have you seen 
the last black man in San Francisco at 19, uh, extremely wicked, shockingly vile, shockingly evil and vile at number 20. I have Halston at 21. I, the uh, little zombies I have at 22 and the animation spotlight at 23. I have uh, after the wedding at 24 and I have the sunlit night at 25. So there you go. That is my ranking of the films I saw at Sundance 2019. <laughs> so let me know what you think. Do any of these sound interesting to you? Put in the comment section. I would really be curious to know. And thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I have all of my reviews, uh, longer reviews of each of the films on my blogs. So make sure you check that out. And, uh, and yeah, so I'll get back on track next week with my normal posts. Uh, and uh, that should be fun. I look forward to that. And thanks so much. I will uh, talk to you all later. Bye.